0: Back to another episode of Silence Your Phones, Your Movie Review Podcast, found exclusively on the network at bicbp-radio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by Sean Fritz. Sean, did you bring your batteries today? Yes, my
1: COVID mask is recharged, ready to go. <laughs> Which is a have thing. Have you seen these?
0: Have you seen these new masks now that have the digital display on the front to mimic the movement of lips?
1: I I I don't like that idea at all. I if you have one of those. I
0: mean, you have a mask, so, but I don't like that that's stupid. I don't get it though, because if you look at it it's it's super like um just digital, right? It doesn't look like any kind of normal lip movement and if the idea is for people who are hard of hearing to read those, yeah, that's not happening. I've seen the clear <laughs> masks, yeah, so people can
1: read your lips and. Okay,
0: story time. Do they fog over though? It starts to fog over, and you have all like the you, you can do get, you see the spittle. Well, <laughs> just kind of okay.
1: yeah. I, I think that they're unlike an N95 mask, which creates that that airtight seal around your mouth, around your well your face, mm-hmm. uh, the covered portion of your face. The the uh, you know like this your standard regular medical ma- you know the blue two ply ones or the cloth ply ones uh, two ply yeah. ones that you can get everywhere they don't create a barrier around your mouth. So there is like an area where air can escape. So I don't know that they would fog up as much, but probably a little bit because of the, uh, the temperature change. Um, if they start con, uh, condensating, that's a problem. Um, that means that you, you need to learn how to talk without spitting like a (laughs) six year old
0: does. Uh, just get yourself some tiny windshield wipers uh, installed inside your, the old
1: DX Sergeant Slaughter windshield wipers. (laughs) There you go. Uh, no, there was, um, there was a mask thing that I wanted to bring up to you, and I don't remember what it was now.
0: Something about charging it up.
1: Um. Well, I did. I was at. I was getting some things this morning, and I did see rechargeable masks, which I thought was
0: weird. Because... It's got to be the digital display ones. No, these were because now they're going to have ones that white. just have messages that go by, right? Um. They remember they make those. Those those,
1: those, are, those actually are made already. They're like an LED board. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering when, when people are going to start selling mask space for sponsorships.
0: D- Dude, maybe I got to look into that, right? Maybe the network could sponsor somebody and they have to wear our logo on their masks.
1: I mean, I made work by masks, work branded masks. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I asked our chief marketing officer, marketing, okay? Yeah. Uh, We should have, this is before I went, uh, Cause I've been in the field now three or four times for, mm-hmm. I've been out, I've been out of home for about a month, non-consecutively since October. And I'm like, Hey, I have these masks. They're, they're standard two ply masks and they're cloth and I wash them, but they're pretty, they're not really work appropriate. Okay. All truth be told, they're Power Rangers masks. <laughs> okay. They're the yeah. lower third, you know, nose down of the, uh, of the, the helmets, and the ones that I wear are a little aggressive looking. They, they're called the Psycho Rangers. Great story I arc. I have heard of me. that. Is that really a thing? Uh-huh. A great story <laughs> arc, by the way. They look menacing. Okay. Just Google Psycho Rangers in your Google machine, Chris, while we're talking. And, and um, But I have red, blue, black, and green. And they're great, but they're not really work appropriate. I mean, they, they look a little too aggressive
0: and you have Hell, me yeah. yeah aren't they're cool looking aren't they 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 almost look like uh the power rangers got venomized mm-hmm. that's what they look like yeah but they're um
1: interesting yeah so i'm like hey person who's in charge of allegedly of, of of marketing what say you to masks with the company branding on it oh i don't think we need those you know whatever i'm on the phone with our cto the other uh probably about a, a two three weeks later i'm like I'm going in the field. What do you think about work branded mask? He's like, that's a good idea. I'm like, duh. I asked uh, the other guy, and he's like, why would he say no? So I and have that's marketing, dude. Yeah. So I have three of them on the way. They should be here in the next couple of days. Nice. Um, and uh, I'll be wearing my work branded masks everywhere I go.
0: We should make one for silence your phones, and then like do something so that each mask does something with the movie we covered, right? Like we could have Velcro, uh, Velcro a on the Johnny outside. Fi- there you go. A little Johnny five thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, cause you can't put pins
1: on it cause it would compromise the integrity of the mask. Right. There you go. There you go.
0: Um, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it, you do wonder sometimes how people get into certain positions, right? Like the dude that's like the head of marketing is not looking to put your logo. Like that was like the first thing that my agency did was we were started having masks with our logo across the front. You know, I see a lot of companies that have started to do that
1: because it's free advertising for the company. Exactly. And if they don't know what the company is, they're like, "Well, what is the company name that I work for?" I will leave mm-hmm. out, but it what is does a, that mean. Yeah, it is a name that you've never heard of. And I'm like, "Oh, we're a white box." We're a white labeled uh, company that, you know, provides these services. They're like, well, I don't know what white box is, but I do know what a telephone is and I do know what internet access is. I'm like,
0: that's the point. <laughs> and that's all you need to know. So, um, yeah, ours would be ours, ours would have a logo on one side and maybe a couple of uh, printed popcorn kernels on one side. It looks like it's just like falling over your mouth. I like the idea of
1: Velcro on the side of the mouth and change it up change it. Yeah, we we need a we need a sewing. You know what? They say you need a guy for everything or a gal. Chris, we need a uh, we need seamstress. A, a seamstress stitching guy that can make pa- velcro patches to put on There you go. whatever side of the face.
0: Hey, hey, that'll be the next thing and we're copyrighting that stuff. Trademark, copyright 2020. Silence your phones. i mm-hmm. I'm an idea we're guy. Com- Chris, you we're you, com- you make it happen. Anybody tries to steal it will come at them like scientologists. All right. Um All right, so this is Silencer Phones. We do watch movies. We review them. We discuss all different aspects of the film. Last week, we talked about Short Circuit, a very entertaining film uh, dealing with robotics. And we said this week, we're going to do another one. Not completely robotics. I think there's some alien factor here. We'll get into it. But this week, we covered batteries not included. The residents of 817 East 8th Street are about to lose everything they have. What do you mean those tenants are still in there?
1: Tonight. I'll have them out by tonight.
0: Nothing in this world can save them. Nothing but a miracle. Steven Spielberg presents a Matthew Robbins film.
1: Welcome to America. <laughs>
0: spaceships from a very small planet very small this is history machines that reproduce themselves i like being a family again what the hell is that it's them the little guys i don't know how you got here Oh, why you picked up somebody's helping them. somebody's bringing them together
1: is that why you're here
0: Batteries Not Included Starring Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy Man, dude, I, like, this movie was legit Like, like short, short circuit, I said, had been a long time since I saw This one's probably even longer I probably, the last time I saw this was the first time they put it on television After it had already been in theater, you know what I mean? When I was a kid, or, or maybe my dad got it on VHS I can't remember, but it was, I was a little kid when I saw this film I don't think I was even maybe 12 11 12 yeah that that's you know
1: you're, you're speaking a lot of the, a, a lot of the same things as 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 I would have said too uh i think it's been probably 27 28 years since i've seen how old am i uh it's probably <laughs> been about 26 years since i've seen this movie but this you movie know was when in, you go how old am i yeah exactly this movie was in constant rotation from and when I say rotation, I mean it was on a revolving door between the local blockbuster video and my VCR in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, this VCR was older than I was at the time. It was one of those you push the eject button and it pops out the top, and it, so it's a top oh, load. yeah, yeah uh, that's awesome. And uh, it was awesome until I tell you say this next sentence. The remote control was a wired remote control.
0: Oh my God, that's old. It was Holy my, it crap, was my, dude,
1: it was my maternal grandparents, and they had gotten a new one. So they're like. We don't need this
0: top loading one. We got the front loading ones now. These ones
1: are futuristic. We got the forehead VCR. This one's only a two head and it needs clean (laughs) twice as often. And I'll bet that there is a large contingent of people that listen that have no idea what I'm talking about.
0: And then there's going to be old schoolers. that are like, oh, my God. Remember having to do that? Oh, man. Michael Thompson knows exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Battery's not Included, 1987 film. It's, it's considered an American comic science fiction film directed by Matthew Robbins. Uh, it was produced by Steven Spielberg. So one of the things I saw when I was looking at this, and it makes sense. Did you used to watch that show on TV back in the day, Amazing Stories, Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories? No, but I heard that they're doing a
1: reboot or a continuation of it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to see what that how that goes. I remember watching it and I remember the those shows were, I mean they were they were anth- you know an anthology TV series. Um but when you watched them, you felt like you were watching a Steven Spielberg production because there's this kind of soft 80s glow look to it. Do you know what I mean? Well, like E.T.
1: The, the Amblin card at the front kind of helps that.
0: That start that kicks it off.
1: And correct my previous statement March sixth of twenty twenty, uh, a revival of Amazing Stories appeared, premiered on Apple TV Plus. So the one you got to pay for.
0: Oh, oh no, thanks. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting though if they're they're just recovering the same stories or are these all new Amazing Stories. They're new. Oh, interesting. I remember um, the ones. I remember. I believe it was they even made like a, a short film of it, or maybe it's the first episode of Amazing Stories. But it was a. I, rem- I always remember the one with the uh, the old folks home where at night they become kids again. They start playing kick the can and they all become kids like literally they're, ch- they're children again and they're playing around and running and having adventures at night in this old folks home. Um it's toy story. that's one it's Toy Story th- means the twilight zone <laughs> basically. That was one of the things I remember. And that's what this was. Like so Steven Spielberg's, you know, anthology show was kind of like a twilight zone but on a like on a happier side, mm-hmm. not dark. it wasn't dark, right? It was always these weird things or these strange fantastical things that happen um, in, in 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 these stories. And so, batteries not included was initially intended to be one of those stories for the show. But he liked it so much that he wanted to give it an entire film, um, and and it definitely fits the way this this is done. Totally feels like an amazing stories thing, and I don't know why, but I always felt like amazing stories always had. Old folks in their in their, you know in their films in the, in the storyline. So well, and it could be right in there. That's who probably watched TV
1: at that point in time, because it was appointment television, and the kids are going to go out and do what kids do.
0: Yeah, outside play outside. Yeah,
1: well, kids being like twenties, early thirties, that you know, ones that are out doing things and you know, listening to devil music <laughs> or, or
0: whatever, <laughs> worshiping Satan. Mm-hmm.
1: Probably. Finding Um, finding random magazines in the woods.
0: Oh, God. Or in dumpsters. Or or in the middle of the street. I remember that one. That was fun. Riding my bike. What is this magazine? Whoa. Oh, never saw. (laughs) This is amazing. I'd have to talk to Newton Crosby about this. (laughs) (laughs) Or his friend. He'd like that even better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. So let's get into batteries not included. Let's get into the plot. Um, basically, what's going on is there's this this building that's about to get razed, right? It's about to get demolished because uh, this, this bigger company co- is coming in and wants to put in high-rise buildings. And so an entire block uh, neighborhood of, of buildings is getting destroyed. Except this one, it's like a holdout, right? All these people in this building, they don't want to move out. And we get introduced to all these different characters in this building. So we have an old couple, one of whom, you know, is, is dealing with maybe early sa- stages of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an Xboxer uh who who does who, who does not anymore. play video games. No an Xboxer <laughs> 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 He used to an Xbox yeah I got it now. He's not a PlayStationer. Um, he's an Xboxer. No, he's an Xboxer. Uh, he doesn't speak unless it's in in uh, commercial slogans. It's like he doesn't have his
1: own original thoughts or can't produce the words unless he hears them first. It's like it's almost like Johnny Two Times in Goodfellas where he has to repeat the end of the sentence. You know. Oh,
0: yeah. Over and over. But did you notice um,
1: and I think it was because the actor he had a thing right on the middle of his head. So maybe did, he yeah. had maybe the, I don't know if that was a makeup choice, but he, maybe he had like
0: brain damage from from boxing. Yeah. That, well that's how I took it. I took it that there was he was a little bit slower because of the the boxing. Mm-hmm. Um we also had a painter there's an artist in this building that's a painter there's a single pregnant um, hispanic lady who's waiting for her boyfriend to come back who's a, a, a you know gallivanting about about the world um so these are all the people that live in this building and then we have like i said you have the company that's moving in to put you know to to to, to demolish these buildings and they're paying thugs to go in and basically chase everyone out um so that they can just destroy these buildings. So there's no more delays on construction. These are our characters. This is what's happening. It is like, this is like the breakfast club of (laughs)
1: like New York city street life. It's the weirdest ragtag group of, you know, everything, you know, wow. Just, yeah. I don't even know what to say or how else to describe them.
0: I remember thinking like so much of, um, the performance of, of of the Indian guy in short circuit, well, the American guy in playing an Indian in short circuit uh, was, was very cringeworthy because of the times there was so much in this film that I was just like, Oh my God, you just can't like when they're cat calling the pregnant woman and like oh. literally just touching her while she's going up the stairs. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people, man? Mm-hmm. But that's the idea. These guys are supposed to be slimy. They're trying to get people to get out of the building. Um, So much so that they, one of the you know one of the units at the bottom of the at the the base floor of the building is a diner that the old guy and his wife used to run, and these guys just destroy it. They just you know they bash everything and they destroy everything in the place. And that night, uh, when everybody's just kind of going to sleep, all of a sudden, we have like close encounters. Right, this is something that is is always a, a central theme in Steven Spielberg. A lot of his works is this kind of this fantastical relationship with what's out there uh, in space because all of a sudden these little little robotic looking UFOs just start they' just flying in
1: they are legitimately like the imperial ships
0: miniaturized yes the the the, the amount of of um, just detail that you mm-hmm. can see on these little these little crafts is amazing and, and so right away, you know you're dealing with ILM. You're you're dealing with these these higher level you know effects people, um, but that's the idea. So these things come in these little UFO things, these machines, and what you end up finding out is they like to fix things. So if you have a broken watch, they'll they'll kind of hover over it, do some fun little jibber jabber on it, and then all of a sudden it was working again. Um, Although you know you you have thugs that destroy a diner. Eh, don't make it look like new, like the day you bought it, including the pictures. Everything, dude. <laughs> it's like, you know, you may not have been able to get this tile anymore. It came from Italy at some point. Now nah, they fixed it. Yeah. it's brand new. Like they and just clean. got it imported.
1: Yeah. Yes. Clean as well. That's like the day it was literally like the day it was made.
0: Yes. And so what ends up happening is the 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 inhabitants of this building come to realize what what there's what's here, right? These robots, and they kind of take them in, like they're they're friendly with them. They're trying to interact with them. Uh, And they realize that these things fix things. And so it's almost kind of like they have something that's helping them all kind of band together to fight off the evil corporations instead of the evil corporation just coming out and kicking everyone out out one by one and and taking what they want out of the building.
1: Yeah, they're the last holdouts. And and they now have a reason. to. I mean, the artist is... Uh, you know, toward the beginning of the movie, he tries to get he rolls up and tries to get somebody from the city, I guess, to claim that the the building is an, a historical site. Yeah, and you know, it looked good this morning, which it looked better this morning, which is hilarious considering all of the rubble, destruction, and you know, heavy equipment that was that was all around it. <laughs> like, well, yes,
0: that that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um. So this is the plot. The plot is th- that they they want to try to save this building, and th- it seems that they may get some help from you know outside sources, extraterrestrial maybe. We don't know. It's there. It's all robotics. We don't see any creatures. There's literally a scene in there where the ship kind of comes down, and you see what looks normal. What- on a ship looks like the little bridge door going down and you're expecting maybe a little mini alien come walking down that ramp. And it's not, it's just, you know, another robotic arm that comes Mm -hmm. in to to plug into the wall. And that's what we know. We noticed at the beginning is that these things need to recharge constantly. So they're just kind of feeding into our power grids to, to get their recharging.
1: And by the way, uh, I'm curious if the wiring of the, if the age of that building means that the <laughs> Could it whole, handle that? Yeah, if well that. I mean, it had a grounding port on it I believe. I do believe. But the plug did not from the uh from the little robot from the fix it. So I wonder if the building was grounded or if the faulty wiring in the building was or the age of the wiring if it was like that knob and tube stuff. Yeah, uh, if it if it was just that old that caused the outlet to smoke, which I'm pretty sure is not a good thing or a good <laughs> yeah, sign or typically something. Typically not. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't be excited about that
0: at all. <laughs> um, so the plot again is it's a very straightforward plot in in that regard, right? Um, again, just kind of like short circuit. There isn't too many layers, but there are some. You have other things. There's like more have, in this one. You have you have the layer of the two old folks, the 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 husband and wife with the one that's got somewhat of a, an amnesia thing going on. Well, not amnesia, uh, um, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm they lost a young son uh, you know when he was in his 20s early or 18. 18 something like that he he died you know in a car accident he got his first car ended up dying in a car accident and Jessica Tandy who plays the older lady very well she's constantly forgetting this right and it's constantly referring to one of the goons that's that's forcing everyone out this guy Carlos as Bobby as her son her her dead son um, so there's that kind of underlying thing there you already know there's a history with the with the opening kind of sequence with the photo old photographs um, and you get these little things as the movie comes out it goes along that this is happening so there is that kind of underlying theme I feel like all of our characters have something that's underlying like you have the the pregnant Hispanic lady who you know she has a boyfriend that that's the father of the child he's with a band that's out you know traveling the country she's constantly waiting for him to come home but you could see she's struggling you know what I mean Mm-hmm um Faye has dementia by the way dementia yeah 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 so uh this film though is it's it's one of those kinds of films where it's the the little man the small man fighting against the big corporation and and do banding together really and and forming their own kind of family if you will this this building uh you know um they're, Again, with the help of the outsiders, yeah, they're fighting
1: for what's important to them, which is where they live, their mm-hmm. residence, and not because you know they're not because the the building Mister what's his name wants to build, uh, you know, effectively, you know the, the the building to the clouds or whatever it is. Yeah, they want to build. Uh, they just want to stay where they live, and they have a business, and that's what's important to them um, to the to Frank and Faye, but everyone else just has a place to stay that they like, and it it must be
0: rent controlled too. It's yeah. got to be. Well, I think that's the case too, As they're talking about like other places are expensive or some of the older folks, they're they're going to homes now. They're like going down to Florida or going to Jersey and going to homes. What a brag. We're going across the river to New Jersey.
1: <laughs> not a brag, by the way, especially in 1987.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Um, so that again, that's our plot. So let's get into the actors and acting, the people that take us through this plot. So we have Frank and Faye Riley, the two old folks, right? Frank is played by Hume Cronin. So I've seen him in movies here and there, but nothing that really stands out where I'm like, oh, he's that guy from that
1: movie. You, you know don't I mean? recognize him from as Gerard from the 1943
0: iteration of Phantom of the Opera? You know, I thought I, I had that twinge of like, is that Gerard? No, nah, I can't be Gerard, dude. Um, no, I really didn't. But yeah, I, I look at his, I look at his uh his filmography and he's got a lot of work, man. The guy's been around since you know, was. early forties. Yeah. W- was. Oh, oh yeah. Was um Yeah.
1: In in keeping with our tradition of fumbling uh if they are or are not alive. It's like um <laughs> you know there's Schrodinger's cat, there's silence your phones,
0: um variable birth and death time frames. There you go. There you go. Uh I think the only other thing I did know him from was Cocoon. Not but other Brewster's than that, millions? Nah No, I missed that one. Missed missed, uh, The Bride Goes Wild. Didn't see that one. I mean, Uh, here's the funny thing. Like, he works for a number of years, like
1: 51, 56, and then 60 is his next movie. And then 63, 64, and then 69, 70, 74, 81, 82, 84, 85, 87, 88, 93, 94, 96, 2001. And then he had died two years after. Wow. But, I mean... A very extensive filmography and television credits back before there was, you know, the the crossover.
0: Yeah. I don't know that... So you see that because I haven't seen his earlier work, you know, I can only base my thoughts on his acting on him playing an older guy, like an old man, basically, right? And in this one, he plays this this guy who owns this this diner and he plays it well. He plays it like... He 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 exudes the anger that somebody at his age would be exuding when some when this punk's coming in and telling him to get out, right? Telling him to just kind of leave everything that you've ever built and worked for your entire life. He he's he's very convincing in that he's angry and hurt. Um, there's the scene where he just you know he's sitting at the in his kitchen. And he just kind of wings a a mug or something, and smashes it, and then he kicks the kicks the chair, and and, you know you could get you get from him that there's this frustration that he can't do anything more, but he wants to.
1: Well, and and here's the thing, he's a great, very decorated actor. I'm looking at his Mm -hmm. honors on Wikipedia. In 1979, he was inducted to the American Theater Hall of Fame in July of 1988. So a year after this movie came out. Probably because of this movie, he was given the he was uh, appointed an officer of the Order of Canada, uh, giving him the po- the the nominal letters OC for the rest of his life. So like Sean Fritz, comma Esquire, which is not a real thing. Um, the same thing. It was uh, Hume. What's his last name? Hume Cronin, comma OC, uh, original Canadian, original crankster. Or <laughs> I just, like
0: original Canadian.
1: Yeah. An, or, Uh, It was also inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame in 1999. Uh, He also received 125th anniversary of the Confederation of Canada Medal in 1992 and the Canadian version of the Queen Elizabeth uh, Golden Jubilee Medal in 2002. Awarded an honorary doctorate of law degree on the same day as Jessica Tandy from the University of Western Ontario in October of 1974. Oh, hang on a second. His wife jessica tandy was given the degree on yeah. the same day i did not yeah, realize they married they dude. were married so yeah and that that makes this dynamic even more um heartfelt and even more yes. I mean, even though she's to be to and i guess to dovetail right into jessica tandy to give this level of of a, uh of of uh of a presentation of this level of What's the word I'm looking for? Performance. Thank you. It yeah. was, I knew it was a P word. <laughs> uh, I got the p- part in the word. Yeah. Um, you can't be, uh, you can't have dementia. You have to be a very smart, very knowledgeable or well-researched in this, you know, in this arena. And she did that, you know, incredibly well. Very believable. And and yeah. Hume was also so put upon and the weight of the world and his family, which is his world is on his shoulders with the, you know, leaving the, you know, Faye not doing stuff, disappearing. And, you know, with the, the state of the business downstairs and the state of their building, which is their home and their business. And, you know, we find out later with Bobby and his wife constantly bringing up that wound that just won't heal, yeah, which probably accounts for his anger and, and everything else. But he yeah. he's faced with the fact that he can't protect his family yet again. You know uh, just, exactly, just realizing that too that's the weight of the world is on that man's shoulders,
0: yeah, and Tandy, like you said, she was phenomenal, man, I thought she did such a great job mm-hmm. in this performance you could you could see it on the surface as, oh, she's playing just this old lady, that's kind of whatever, but like when you start being informed by the fact that. They dealt with the loss of their son at such a young age that they built a life together, that this is all happening. And then there are moments where she's just not realizing what's happening. It makes it a little sadder. Yeah, one of the things I saw for her, so for her, I knew her from Cocoon as well. But Mm -hmm. for for me, Jessica Tandy will always, and I always remember her as Daisy from Driving Miss Daisy. Mm -hmm. She plays Miss Daisy. Uh, but yeah, she as well has had quite a, 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 a credit, uh, a career. You know, she did a lot of stage stuff originally. Um, and then she did a, a whole lot of films. If you look through the, through her list, a lot of the older ones, it's, it's always kind of like, I bet you, I mean, you know, older folks will look at these films and say, Oh, I remember this one. But for us, we look at the older ones. We're like, never heard of these. But then when you start getting into stuff, we may have heard like Cocoon, uh, batteries not included. We saw Cocoon, the return driving Miss Daisy. She's also in fried green tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some some bigger bigger name kind of films um for me i thought she did great especially in this character
1: yeah i, I would agree and she was in the birds uh, yes she was yes. in a couple different hitchcock things too which i mean th- i mean this whole cast because this movie is basically centered around elderly people with a couple young youngins scattered about mm-hmm. this is outside of our wheelhouse in terms of the actors and actresses but this generation and obviously those that came before this you know the generations before rooted themselves in stage acting and just the extensive list of stage actors uh the stage credits of everybody in this film is is just amazing too like way yeah. outside of
0: my realm of let's call it quote expertise yeah yeah um let's move on to the the Xboxer not the PlayStation or the Xboxer uh Frank McRae plays uh harry noble so i'm looking at his his career as well and and then as i'm seeing this i'm like oh yeah that's right he's the police captain the shouting police captain in 48 hours mm-hmm. uh, which he also parodies that role in last action hero uh schwarzenegger's film last action hero he's also in load uh loaded weapon one uh does the same thing parodies that kind of screaming police captain thing yeah um shaft in africa <laughs>
1: <laughs> Walking Tall, Part Two. Yep, that's a movie. Yep, um, I mean, used, about... used Cars is a is from what I hear a decent movie. 1941 is a, a great satirical movie. Red Dawn, Red Dawn. Now he plays the. I remember
0: that he plays the teacher in Red Dawn. Yes, Mister Teasdale. Uh, uh, d- dude, he was James Bond's friend Sharky in License to Kill. How wild is that? Which,
1: by the what? way a very f- a fair amount of the James Bond movies side note are on YouTube movies with ads for free in case any listener wants to watch them as of the time of this recording
0: i think we're going to have to do a James Bond month because as you know i've never seen one James Bond film the closest i ever came to James Bond was Austin Powers yeah he so. didn't come close <laughs> uh, i will but have to <laughs> pick i will have to
1: cherry pick a couple good ones uh, i've seen most of them but
0: Anyway. I will. I will take whatever you. That's how I want to see these. See, for me to get into the world of James Bond, going to have to be the way you say what I should watch.
1: Maybe we just pick one, the best of each Bond, because there were oh six Bonds That's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Or um, or one of each Bond. Because side note, you'll love the Daniel Craig ones because they're what you want.
0: Yeah. Unrela- okay. Yeah. Back to the show. I'm Back to our show. So, yeah, so Frank McRae and, and his, his career, dude, he also was the security guard in, uh, for Wally World in National Lampoon's Vacation. So the dude's done a lot of stuff. And a, this a lot of big parts. A lot of bit parts. Uh, yeah, and this he plays, again, an aging boxer who, um, from what I noticed, he was kind of the guy that was just kind of working on the, the little tiles at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. on the ground. So it's almost like he was trying to help fix the place up. and Kept to himself. Uh, which, yeah, he kind of forms yeah. a bond with the fix it because he's kind of doing that himself. He likes to fix things and, and tinker and he well, he's becomes the super kind of he's the building yeah. super. Oh, he's the super. Yeah.
1: They the, oh. the Carlos's gang went into they they showed him from oh, that's right. outside the door. He went in the door, which they, they have a key for somehow they have a master key. Which which is weird because the guy that wants to raise the building didn't buy the building or the property allegedly. He just want which if he so let's think about this plot hole real quick. Yeah. If he now that I, now that I say it out loud, it's it's a big glaring pothole. Uh-huh. If he has permits, that doesn't mean he has the deeds to these properties. But the right. permits that he has are to raise the building, which mm-hmm. that would mean you have to own the building, which means that in New York, I, I don't know how cities city laws work in New York uh, or state laws, but if they physically accept an envelope and not just hand it back to somebody with money in it, uh, the law uh, is, is it's inferred that the law is just, they took it. So it's like being subpoenaed. Yeah. uh, Which, which the only, (laughs) the only only type of subpoena that law that I know of is what's in the movies where if you're touched, if you're smacked with it, then you've been served. Mm -hmm. And then someone spins on their head like a breakdance, you know, you've been served. No, not really. That's (laughs) just a joke. Uh, but that would be awesome if that was the final part in being served.
0: The whole out the film is just them up le- leading up to them just trying to serve fucking papers to the one guy. Single handed cartwheels over. He to sets him. up a dance battle just to get to the guy <laughs> and serve him his, his papers.
1: Like, why are you? Why are you? Why are you doing breakdancing? Is this part of the thing? No, I just love to break dance and celebrate when I'm done serving people. That's a that's a bold move. I can oh, I can God. appreciate that. But yeah, that's so amazing. so they're handing these people these envelopes of money and they're just throwing them back under the door or, you know, whatever the case is. But he's got a key to get into everyone's apartment. There'd have to be something posted or like, you got to get out, take this buyout. We're going to raise the building anyway, because I own the property so I can do whatever I want after X amount of time, 60 days, 90 days, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm shrugging my shoulders yeah. on the logic of that, but
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that, that. It's glaring. It's there. Uh, but again, you know, a lot of the—I feel like a lot of what's happening in the movie—you got to pull away from that because we're trying to be a part of them trying to figure out how to stay here. So, if they would have had somebody think of that in the middle of the movie, that could have just ended it right there. They like, "Wait a second, he doesn't even have the deed to the place. Mm-hmm. He can't do this." <laughs> but then again, this guy didn't give a shit about deeds. He was hiring arsonists to go in there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, maybe so anyways, he was going to buy one...
1: them. Maybe he was going to buy it after it burned
0: to the ground and then raise it all. <laughs> there you go uh, frank McRae. what'd you think of him playing this character again th- the only time he spoke was to give you slogans and and you know basically ca-
1: catchphrases of commercials you mean to cash in on the product placement checks that were being sent to there you go yeah um i don't well he never said the product names though no so uh i don't know if there was one thing i believe that he said what and i don't remember what it was but it was maybe the second or third thing he said right before Don't Leave Home Without It. (laughs) Uh, I do believe that he said something original. And really, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just an old slogan. Like, Chris, tell me what the "Mm -mm -mm, I'm loving it slogan is for.
0: McDonald's.
1: Tell me what it was before that.
0: I'm loving it. Don't know.
1: Exactly. So maybe it was that slogan for whatever that company was. I mean, American Express Uh, has always been Don't Leave Home Without It. Yeah. I mean even back to uh the Cleveland baseball team or whatever they'll be called next year. Um and in yeah. Major League um you know they in 90 18, I believe it was uh when that movie came out. It, they you know they had a, a an advertisement in that movie for Amex cuz they were going to be the spokespeople, mm-hmm. the spokes team. So maybe it was just the case of an uh, uh, a retired marketing campaign or m- retired marketing slogan.
0: Yeah. That's how it came across that he was that he was more comfortable speaking that way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because this guy was an ex boxer, this big dude that big teddy these bear. little twirpy guy, tw- guys, you know, intimidated him. And you could and it made you feel bad. Like you wanted to be like, you know, don't mess with him, that kind of a thing. Uh, like the, like what he's like kind of like the slower guy.
1: What if it's also that they that he was afraid of his own strength and he couldn't control it anymore? And he didn't want to hurt someone, so he w- became very scared, very introverted, yeah. very childlike in his uh, in his demeanor, and just for fear of, you know, the fear took him over, so to speak. Yeah, I could mix with see a that. limited mental capacity because of his years of boxing.
0: Could definitely see that. Um we also had Elizabeth Pena. She plays the the pregnant Hispanic single mother, and uh, art, or expectant and, mother. And naked painting uh, <laughs> subject matter. That was weird. Yeah. Um, she's been in a lot of stuff. So I remember her. The first time I saw her was La Bamba. Um, she plays Richie's brother's girlfriend yeah. in La Bamba. Rosie Morales. Yes. I always and I think that yeah. I'm looking at it now. It looks like that movie. It came out just before Batteries Not Included. Um, that's what I remember her from. She's been in a lot of other movies since then. She's been in Jacob's Ladder. Um, she was in Rush Hour. And here's one for you. She does the voice of a character in The Incredibles. Did? She, Did. She's. Um, oh, and she passed on too. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> she was in I Rush Hour. To laugh at she it. She was in Rush like, Hour, what dude. The? Yeah, yeah, she was. What did she die of? What the heck? Uh, cirrhosis of the liver. Oh my god, Oof. that's horrible. That is not
1: good. No sir. Um, but yeah, she did a lot of stuff. TV and vi- and she was a voice in the Justice League cartoon. Like the wow. go- like
0: the good one, Parindal. Yeah. I don't know who that is. She's definitely in a lot of. I mean, you look at her her list, and it's a lot. She did a whole lot in here. She um, she was definitely
1: cast. I mean, they they she she definitely had been cast in. Start that sentence over. Her ethnicity definitely informed the roles that she was cast in. Yes, uh, yes. I mean she's Spanish, but in her Wikipedia picture, it's her a uh, much older than in this movie and Mm -hmm. she could pose as like a um, maybe like an Eastern European Mm -hmm. um, yeah you could see that um, more so I think more so than than Spanish but you know she's from Cuba so or Cuban descent so I guess that's kind of a Europe was allowed to go to Cuba up until recently America wasn't so there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, honkies such as myself in Cuba up until you know this past year or the year before Whatever that was
0: true um and but she plays this character this marissa you know this pregnant kind of living on her own she plays her pretty well and and you could see um there's this uncomfortable, like the uncomfortableness when she's going up the stairs and those guys are are messing with her and stuff and and you know um i don't know that she didn't have there wasn't too much going on with her it, too deep i mean there was that little side thing with her her what is it oscar her her boyfriend hector Oh, whatever's name hector um, you know, when he came back, and but there wasn't anything for me in terms of how she you know her portrayal of anything. She seemed more um, more background than anything. I know there was, there was this thing going on with her and the painter, um, but overall it, it, she she didn't have any kind of performance that made me think, wow, that was awesome her 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 portrayal
1: of of the character was you know within the the confines of the group, uh, Marissa uh, was her character name was very background her story was very side story but Mm -hmm. i could see the depth in it in that was hector even real conversely or like was hector really coming back was Mm -hmm. that was the um i didn't think that was happening like she was just telling herself this lie like oh he's going to come back and whatever yeah conversely with frank and Faye, i believed you know the the twist there that bobby was still alive and that Frank was just pissed off because he bought this car and mm-hmm. they haven't talked in years until, you know, I had forgotten all about it. Cause you know, as a kid, you're like, huh, it's a cool movie. Little robots. Wow. Look at them yeah, go woo, yeah. up
0: in the air. Yeah. You weren't thinking about the deep storylines.
1: Yeah. Like there. there's, like you said at the beginning, there are a lot more layers in this with some of the characters. When you really look beyond the surface mm-hmm. of, oh, that's not going to happen. But, hector's downstairs hmm. yeah and ironically mason is painting her in a very interesting uh quote artist rendition uh or what is it artist's uh, interpretation artistic mm-hmm. um what's yeah. the word artistic um like uh where they get to, license? Yes, Why can't I can't think of words today, man.
0: <laughs> it's sadder. It's Sunday. I probably see, I can't
1: even think of the day. I probably read the script of Short Circuit Three right before this and thought this is the dumbest <laughs> thing since the English language was invented because English oh is a dumb language to be honest. You know the sentence structure.
0: Is it a complete script? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you want to see it? I'll send it to you. Oh, what we're going to what we what we should do is get a bunch of people <sighs> table and do a read script read. Yes, <gasps> a sound oh, special. Oh, I love it. I love it. We'll we'll plan that. I hate it
1: and love it at the same time. Yes, let's plan it. The dumbest character Uh (laughs) has to be played by a certain co-host of a certain, these two fellas just can't stop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's I'm just kidding. Anthony's Uh, a good guy. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, Um, yeah, what's his name?
1: Antonio. What was his name? No. Antonio.
0: Um, Mason. So Mason, the artist, is played by Dennis Boutsikaris. Boutsikaris, something like that, I guess you say. Sure. Um He's been in a few things but I I couldn't tell you like I, I like I look at the list and I'm like I don't I don't remember seeing him in any of these things and I don't know who he played stage. Uh, and then again I haven't seen a lot of these. He's in st-
1: he's a stage actor and Mostly, yeah. an
0: audiobook reader. Yes, voice work, man. What's going on with all the voice actors and and uh He was in, in Better Call films? Saul if you've seen that. I didn't. I see I, I just right, yeah. started watching uh what's the what's the name of the Break, movie Breaking the Bad? Breaking Bad, I've only seen like two or three episodes of it uh, last year, and then I stopped watching it again. So, uh, yeah, I haven't seen the the spinoffs either. But this guy plays um, the the artist. Did you notice who was his girlfriend at the beginning of the film? Yes. she left? Yes. As soon as I saw her, I was like, Hey, Mister Mrs. Mm Rumsfeld, nice tan lines. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. No, he goes, nice, no tan lines. That's what it is. Yeah, that uh – that that caught
1: me caught me off guard i was like oh hmm.
0: yeah it's funny isn't it funny when you see character actors like that and then you see them in a different role and they're not the character that you're so used to seeing them because i've never seen her in anything else but burbs so seeing her in this having some sort of kind of gumption where she's she's she has emotion right and not just this eh, nah, 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 mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it was funny where she's not a trophy wife yeah basically but
1: she did want to be painted nude And she was... Was that the reason that she left?
0: Yeah. She was all pissed off at him because... Mm -hmm. Well, I think she was pissed off because she knew they had to get out of there. It was kind of a dump. The place... And she was already tired of the violence part of it, right? The creepers coming through the door, grabbing her legs. Um, But that was one of the things that really pissed her off was that he didn't paint her nude. That was it. In the middle of this big fight, this is the point I want to bring up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, man. But um, the guy who plays him, right? Dennis, uh, who plays Mason... Um, again, you know, I feel like he was, he was pretty decent in his role, the, the character that he was playing. It was really weird that he, they did this thing where, was he supposed to be drunk? Cause he came off as drunk towards the end there. He was but drinking. Then it wasn't right. But then he wasn't, it was kind of like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was a strange little,
1: little moment there. Continuity. I mean, <laughs> for the most part, Chris, this is a movie with flying robots that fix things, including entire buildings. So. Let's suspend a little bit of disbelief.
0: <laughs> That's my favorite part, dude. Um, let's see. Markle, Mark, Michael Carmine plays Carlos, the the leader of these goons, the ones that the Los uh, Locos he, gang
1: from S- Short Circuit Two. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, the,
0: he's the he's like the uh, what do you call it? He's like the he's the muscle, right? He's the most violent of them all. He's the leader. Um, he he literally takes an axe and cracks one of those those fixits almost in half, almost cleaves it completely in half. Dude, he was in Scarface. Yes. A small role, apparently, right? Let's find out. But, but other than that, like, let's see. He did he did a lot of couple, he did a, a few TV shows, stuff like Hill Street Blues, mm-hmm. uh, Miami Vice. Um he, he so he plays this Hispanic kind of thug, and he played him well. He was very, you know, believable in the way he looked, very slimy, but he also had that kind of what had Oh, God. Another dead one? <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody in this film dead? Um, no. God. Not all of them. <laughs> but he did. He played it, and I thought he played it well. And because, you know, the look, the way he looked was was cool. But I also do like that there was something about him, no matter – he, there was almost a redeeming quality to him because Jessica Tandy's character, he started to kind of feel for her. You know what I mean? Even though he was trying to be mean and nasty or whatever – he started realizing like she's just an old lady and she's just she's trying her best to be sweet, right? And so initially, I think at the beginning of the film, if that arsonist had come in to burn that place down and he saw her up there, he wouldn't have cared. He'd have been like, "Cool, peace mm-hmm. out, let's get out of here." But after all that he'd been through with them, you know, when he saw her, that really bugged him. And so I thought he did a good job. The, uh, you know, the the actor that did this, he played it very well. At least in my my eyes, I thought so. How about the
1: part where he's uh He goes up on the roof into that chicken coop storage shed and he just, he comes out with like the, he gets electrocuted uh, amongst other things and he comes out like his pants are all ripped and that's when his gang turns on him, you know, after he gets assaulted by a robot and he's, there's visible damage to his person and his clothing is completely ripped, tattered and torn and they're just like. Hey man, you're you're, you're, not you're a sissy. Enough. Get get out. We're not you're not good <laughs> enough to hang out with us. Here, I'm taking your Polaroid camera as payment. <laughs> Here, have a picture of a sucker, and they take a picture of him and give oh, it to him. God. But that is definitely the when he saves Jessica Tandy's character, Faye. That is definitely a, uh, a what they call a save the cat moment. You know, yeah, where, redemption story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, he died, Chris, in 1989. Um, oh my God! The, just a couple uh, years of the recent uh, at the time of the still up and coming. Uh, a uh, of aids related symptoms. Wow. Or AIDS age re- related illness. So, I mean it was still fresh on the scene at that point. Um, yeah, no the, kidding. The um I'm not going to even draw a parallel. Yeah, AIDS is still a serious business, so yeah. Yeah. Thankfully though, um like coronavirus is uh
0: very treatable at this point or becoming treatable. Yes. Yes, yes it is. Um Let's see. Who else do we have? That's I mean, because they do have a few others on here. But there's who else is not there of many note? people
1: in this film at all.
0: Mm-mm. Which it's a limited cast, really. It
1: takes place in one spot. I mean, two if you count m- most of them, Mr. Yeah. Moneybags is a high-rise office building. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's there's just a couple other ones. Uh, who's this John Pankow, uh Who played? He uh, was like
0: that lawyer guy or something for the for he, for Lacey.
1: Uh, I think he was the. He was like the uh, the VP of of um, gangster relations.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically, this was the guy that kept. He's the guy that at the beginning of the film, when the old man goes to talk, he sees the car come up and he thinks he's talking to the the. Lacey, who's the you know the guy who owns the buildings um or who's trying to build the buildings he thinks he's talking to him and, and the window opens and it's this guy who's like you think he'd actually really come here in person mm-hmm. you know what i mean so he's kind of like that 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 the lackey the go-between almost mm-hmm. and he has a
1: decent tv uh tv credits um a couple episodes here and there actually one maybe two except for mad about you he played ira Buch- uh, buchman buckman mm-hmm. and um uh, but he's mainly a stage guy
0: yeah, it seems to be the trend with a lot of these uh, the actors in, on this film. Um, yeah, and then again, you know, you had you had the the other goons that were part of the film as well. But overall, I feel I felt like the casting was a it was a pretty strong casting, mm-hmm. um, and the, and the job you know the acting on all of them I thought they did all a, a pretty decent job. And and also
1: notice in the movie, all with the exception of the two people that live in the apartment, uh, the two younger folks almost everybody else is an established older actor or actress. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that create it kind of like E.T. There's no adults in the first half of the movie. So it's supposed to be from a kid's perspective. I think that yeah. it's also a subtle Steven Spielberg thing. I almost said Stephen King. <laughs> Big difference. Uh, the, and, and this one, it, it, I guess it would appear or, or the perception is to be uh, from the, uh the, older folks point of view or the building tenants point of view as well, which most mm-hmm. are old, like, uh, like when Sid and his wife moved to, you know, just across the river in, in New Jersey. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it's, I think the, the, the pedigree of these character of these actors gives these, the perception, um, the pedigree and the, and the, the maturity and the, the age of these characters actors gives the, you know, give the, gives that subtly, uh, shows that point of view
0: yeah exactly um all right let's move on to the soundtrack dude not much it's a score mostly it's it's almost all score and it's steven spielberg-esque kind of a score so if you watch any of his films this has that feel maybe not as grand as et but you know this is this again is is more directed towards kids um so it, it, the the score itself is a lighter kind of score um it fits everything you're watching fits you know whenever things are getting a little intense the music's decent um you know when whenever you had these these little fixits kind of doing their own thing right remember the little the little baby ones for lack of a better mm-hmm. term like it had that kind of you know more more upbeat type of of a score um you know, nothing to for me that stands out that says, like, this was amazing or it just, it fit. It was a 90, it was an 80s Steven Spielberg film. So the score that they 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 have works.
1: Well, and the the guy that did it, James Horner, by the way, Chris, he's dead uh, <laughs> to sound insensitive. Uh, this, entire, yeah.
0: this entire film is gone. Well, it's
1: a bunch of old people. I mean, no offense. It's yeah. just a bunch of older actors that were much yeah. older at the time. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. this guy did Aliens, the second one. Mm. Apollo thirteen, Braveheart, Titanic, you know, A Beautiful Mind. These are all ones that he w- was nominated for an Academy Award. Avatar. Wow. And, um, you know, so there's there's uh, quite a pedigree, quite a uh, long running um, relationship with Steven Spielberg as well. Um, yeah. And and other big art, you know, big. Uh, um, directors producers yeah you know etc
0: heavyweights yeah brad bird Um,
1: did not meet michael giacchino
0: doing this movie though (laughs) no but so uh, in terms of the score uh anything for you that stands out it's just for me it was just it felt like a score it felt it fit
1: It, it fit perfectly i think is is really what it comes down to awesome
0: uh special effects This one has them, right? I mean, obviously, we have green screen. We have uh, many models for these these little spacecraft. We have um, the smoking the smoking from the from the, the sockets. I mean, we had all different types of things like that, right? Um, when he when when uh, Carlos was down in the in the basement, smashing the, the meter readers and and the sparks flying out of that, you know, a lot of practical things as well. Um, well, this also was awarded. Uh, what is it? The it, it was
1: nominated for best fantasy film by the Saturn Awards, which is sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Not that not necessarily effects, but I, I have read that they also give out effects awards. Which now that I say all that that whole group of sentences out loud that has nothing to do with what we're talking about <laughs> it, you
0: can tell it's that kind of day can't you it's i don't all know good. why it, it just is, is all good it is all good uh but the, yeah the, th- the effects in this film you know you're not looking at anything that was i don't feel like it was anything groundbreaking i think they were d- using a lot of stuff that they'd already kind of established with star wars and a lot of the other films that they'd already been working on you know in in the past decade since star wars
1: yeah. But I mean, when, like when Mason
0: zoomed in with that magnifying glass on the,
1: in, on the innards of the, of the, the quote male spaceship, yeah. that was oh, really neat to see all the inner, you know, what's in there. Is it just electricity going back and forth or mm-hmm. is it even smaller devices that are, you know, but, uh, you know, like the arms and everything that came out, y- y- mm-hmm. like you said, yeah, there was some green screen or some, some, you know, copy, uh, some cut and paste over top of anime, uh, you know, for the animation, um for like you could tell when they were when they had to do a whole bunch of stuff when they weren't practical robots anymore and
0: but the flying like a lot of the flying looked good you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it didn't look too green Mm screeny if you will like especially at the beginning when it's first coming into the window and flying around and kind of looking at what was a drone Jessica yeah it's it's awesome it was a drone Um, from 1987 was it legit drones no, that they were using? No, no, well, I was going to say, geez, I was like, well, did we did did we have that yet? Are you not, Yeah, it
1: was a military application. Mason was right. <laughs> they just
0: like here. Steven Spielberg's like, hey, can we borrow this, guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, we haven't even released
1: this to the public yet. I need something that looks very Star Warsian. Can can I borrow? <laughs> do you have one of those on you know in the warehouse?
0: Uh, but they, they did look like they're like legit like the, the 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 level of detail on each of these little ships was insane it looks like the models that they used in star wars films even when they even when the one got hacked up with the
1: uh with the axe mm-hmm. like the level of damage was realistic yeah you know it was i mean i wonder how many of those little robots they actually had for the movie because you know in back to the
0: future they didn't have just one delorean right 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 exactly um so yeah it was uh it was uh, for me i thought the special effects were adequate they were what they needed right again it wasn't anything that was going to blow you away but it wasn't anything on on the lower end that took you out of the film and made you feel like Oof, this is not good mm-hmm. this definitely was not close to robocop so um, no nothing is <laughs> um let's talk about some of our favorite scenes in this film I, in, in terms of quotes i don't think i have any quotes that i i can even remember except for i'm not bobby nice that kind of happened a lot uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wait, that was last week. Last one. That was the last robot.
0: Um, but there's a lot of cool scenes. But one of them, dude, I don't know about it being super memorable, but made me go, "Huh." And it's it's kind of the scene and part of the story as well. So these machines become pregnant, mm-hmm. and and so all you have, when they're pregnant, you have to feed it a bunch of scraps so it can create the 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 offspring.
1: I wonder if. What comes first in this case? Is it that they go and they have to perpetuate their species? So they go and find all these spare parts and whatnot. And then once they have, let's call it uh, an embryo, you know, enough (laughs) scrap parts, because, you know, then at that point they have to fill in the fill in the blanks as like it manifests an AI inside of Mm -hmm. the the female. I, I don't know. It's
0: weird. I, I remember just thinking, did I just witness a little robot give birth? Because I didn't remember that as a kid. So like, I, I for me, it didn't feel that way. But today, watching it as an adult this morning, I was just like, is that really what just happened? Well, to-?
1: and to, to go one step <laughs> back in time a little bit further, were they watching them?
0: Yes. You know, thank in, you. In the chicken They're coop? Just- They're just all watching and and feeding them as much. We don't (laughs) have VCR. We don't have
1: top load VCRs. So we'll just
0: have to watch the real thing. (laughs) Um, I I just thought that was for me. That's always going to stand out now. Having, having seen this, you know, as an adult again,
1: notice too how they convey emotion as well. Like the, Mm. uh, the way the eyes tilt as well. They they might've taken a nod from short circuit with the, the external eyebrows. Mm -hmm. Um, in this one, like the eyes had almost like you know, how headlights some people, uh, not not me, but some people will put like I don't know what do they call them, like eyelids on their, yeah, on their, oh, uh, yeah, I've on their headlights those. that will yeah. change the shape a little bit, or or they have eyelashes. Oh, yeah, no, we don't talk to those people
0: in real life. There's a it's a little much, yeah, um, but they'll, but
1: yeah, and the eyes went red when the male
0: was pissed off,
1: or yeah. you know, when he wanted his little man back.
0: Yeah. And, and that's that, that speaks to that, right? It, it's almost like the, the robotics become characters themselves because they're able to emote. And if you've got a puppeteer that can do it well at a certain time to really kind of push that scene, man, the things are alive. They feel like they're real things. And these, these things were characters, but they are definitely Steven Spielberg type characters, right? Very, very kind of childlike in, in, in the wonder behind them, but super advanced in technology. He seems to always have had this kind of fascination with, you know, extraterrestrials, that super advanced technology. And then how does it interact with, you know, the wonderment of a child or an old, you know, somebody who's older in life now, you know, because they always say when you get older, it's that kind of return to childhood, that Mm -hmm. childlike wonder. Um, because remember she had, at the beginning, she thought like she didn't realize what they were. She's feeding them. She's just like throwing all these like nuts and bolts down. Like it's bird seed, Mm -hmm. right? She's feeding. them. Well, then they they
1: correlated that whether or not it was an excuse from Frank, they correlated that to this was a chicken coop or, our or pigeons or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, and that whole emotional tie to their son, you know? Yeah. But yeah, the, the part that really stood out to me was not only when. You know, the, little, the third one came into existence, uh, but also came into living, you know, that whole the miracle mm-hmm. of life thing. Uh, but, you know, also when when Faye realized or when when Frank finally told her that Bobby was dead mm-hmm. and eventually when she realizes that Carlos isn't Bobby yeah, and goes and looks back at all the different news clippings that she had tucked away out of sight. I was like, "Oh damn.
0: Yeah, it just got real. It just got real. And um which again does make you feel a little a little better about the redemption of Carlos because he realizes it too." Mm-hmm. Because he tries. He 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 thinks to himself, the only way I'm going to get her out is I have to become this guy that she thinks I am, right? And he gives it a valiant effort. It's not like he's just – he could have just said, come on, old lady, and snagged her and just dragged her out, right? But he didn't. He tried to kind of connect with her, which was kind of cool too. So those two scenes are are definitely there. Um, also, how about when they were giving birth to the baby robots and one just didn't make it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's they the, were just going to bury it away there. and then what's his name gets it and ends up fixing it and so that was kind of cool too when well, they I were chasing after him.
1: well mason wanted to bust it open and yeah frank grabbed it and and or not frank uh harry grabbed it and frank was like what the hell and they mm-hmm. chased after him like i don't know what they were going to do to a man that size but
0: yeah get back know. here give it back to us uh and then he's calling it with a dog whistle. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Notice he's the dog that followed him around all over the all over the city? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I think that and I think for me too one of the the final the very 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 final scene. It just kind of for me I was just like, "Oh, come on. They really still built those giant high-rises on either side of that little structure." Well,
1: <laughs> and notice that they showed that when they were in what's his name's office? Um yes. Mr. Mr. Lacey. They showed that one little that was mm-hmm. a cg rendering uh, uh by the way if you couldn't tell but <laughs> it looked halfway decent and and it fit in tune with the um with the physical um with the film uh, i guess yeah. you know it, it yeah. fit with the uh the like the remember at the beginning where they had like the uh, the watchman intro type you know where it was like mm-hmm. all those old time yeah. photos and they were yellowing and and mm-hmm. the film you know the film because this was not filmed in digital Uh, I'm assuming it was filmed on either 35 millimeter or, you know, film of sorts, uh, that, that it was definitely uh, in that same visual um, vein, whatever word that I can't think
0: of again. (laughs) It's Sunday, (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Um, Sunday. Yeah, dude. It reminded me of uh, Up. Remember Up? Wasn't that the thing? The Mm -hmm. little house in between the, the two buildings or whatever. Because they were trying, weren't they trying to get rid of his house and up? I think so. Yeah, I don't remember. We'll see. Actually, I I've I blocked that. It's an emotional scarring movie. Ed Asner is his best. Well, <laughs> first five minutes. Of that Ed, Ed
1: Asner at his second best because <laughs> you know his number one. Short Circuit. Oh wait, he wasn't in that.
0: <laughs> Jay
1: Jonah Jameson in the Amazing Spider Man or Spider Man the Animated Series.
0: Oh, he did the voice for him. You That's bet. awesome. Yes, sir. Did not know that. Um. So yeah, man, that's, that's batteries not included. Let's get into the rating. You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first this time. Let's do it. So this movie had an
1: amazing cast, you know, very, uh, I don't even, uh, mature isn't the right word, but very um, uh, huge, huge list of accolades for nearly every single actor. Um, as Chris learned, most are no longer with us. our listeners learned along with us today (laughs) yeah maybe they knew in advance um and uh you know it's uh it's a great great casting uh great emotion provided by our you know and performances from each of these characters uh each of these actors um the story i mean this is a, a brad bird original and you know, the guy that did directed, probably wrote part of it too, but directed at the very least Incredibles did this one. This was like his first foray. was Incredibles 2001. So this was 14 years prior to Incredibles and there's still robots in that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but you know, it's a very small, very decorated cast, uh, very well done. There there's, You know, there's struggle, internal struggle between the group, between, you know, Frank and Faye. Um, You know, there's a struggle between Carlos and his goons, Um, you know, and there's struggle between the Carlos gang and eventually later Carlos and everybody and Lacey. And so there's, there's just this intermeshing of all the characters so that it all makes real good sense. Mm -hmm. The, the effects were, were, you know, for the time 1987, very well done. Uh, very believable Um, this uh, what else the everybody has their own quirk every character has their own quirk you know Jessica Tandy's has Mm -hmm. dementia Frank is just super pissed Uh, and just the weight of the world on his shoulders Harry is you know a savant at everything it seems except talking talking (laughs) you know Carlos is great at you know being a being a, a gangster, I guess. And uh, you know, what's it, Mason's good at painting, uh, but not keeping a woman, you know, it's, it's or at least not painting her naked or not asking her, I don't know. But you know, just the, so the story is, is more dense now that we've talked about it, I think, than, than actually just looking at it on the Wikipedia uh, plot mm-hmm. summary. Um, You know, as far as this movie goes, this was a staple of my childhood the VHS I don't have it on DVD Uh, I did Mm. stream it for free on HBO Max there you go Uh, because I have HBO Max it's technically not free but you know you get the idea I didn't have to pay to rent it from Amazon Um, so all that said and the soundtrack evoked a proper response you know for for everything and there were a lot of heartfelt and emotional moments again conveyed by those characters by the the CG Um, there's a feel good ending in the movie, which everybody likes. So all that said, I think I'm going to have to go with the exception of the opening being, taking a little too long and being a little too uncomfortable.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But although that does create, you know, it's that moment of, of, um, you know, dire, you know, dire straits, what's going to happen. Oh no. Which does create that excitement. And then, you know, there's like that that, uh, peaks and valleys, uh, throughout the movie, which is good storytelling. All that, I think I'm going to go four out of five on this one. And we're, we're grading this out of uh, self-replicating machines.
0: Mm-hmm. Four out of five. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to echo what you said there at the, be- uh, towards the end for me. I remember as I was watching it, the, because I hadn't seen this in so long when I was watching it, that whole opening is very uncomfortable. Like, you're waiting for it to be something feel-good. Like, you start immediately with, with you know, the woman being harassed by the men, the guys going in and busting down doors and grabbing people, uh, destroying the diner, like, everything about it. I just kept going, when are we going to, like, move on from this part? Because this is, like, why am I watching this? This is depressing, dude. You're watching welcome. these old people get, <laughs> get intimidated and kicked out of their house, dude. Uh, but, again, you know, the cast phenomenal cast great great cast you know even some of the the smaller roles the the, these these extras and and these you know supporting actors and actresses man they 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 did a good job even even the carlos gang you know even those guys played those characters the way they should have been played kind of like the just kind of a goon but still you don't want to like the like you don't like them um the story is a nice story. It's a Steven Spielberg feel to it, even though it's not written by him. It's got the feel, if if you know what I mean, because he always had that kind of um, heartfelt type of movie. Whether No matter what kind of movie he's making, it's got to have some sort of heart, right? And that's how you know it's a Steven Spielberg film, aside from the way that it looks. Because whenever he's producing something, it almost has to have that kind of um, that that characteristic of, of his films, a very warm look to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the characters designs are great too. Those are the, 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 the machines, the designs of the machines. It, how cool is it that he made them look like mini UFOs, obviously. Right. But with eyes on them so that they could emote, um, and do, do things like that. Uh, you know, soundtrack, like we said, was good. It, it was there to evoke emotion. And, and so when things were going a certain way, you had to feel it, the music fit, it, it kind of brought you right in with them with the ride. Uh, For me, dude, this one is right. It's not at a four, but it's almost there, dude. I'm at a a 3.85 in terms of uh, how many self-replicating machines I would give this one. Um, No, you know what? 3.95. It's that close to a four. Um, I don't know what would have pushed it over to a four. It just feels like, I don't know. Doesn't seem like a four to me, but it was still, I, I really enjoyed this one. Like I said, I enjoyed Short Circuit last week when we watched it. It was a fun kind of ride. This one was was, was fun. There was more, there was whimsical to this. There was uh, kind of a, a fantastical piece to it. And then there was more heart. There was a lot more depth in terms of these people and their emotions. So, yeah, for me, 3.95 on the scale of five self-replicating machines. What if Frank was played by Wilford Brimley? Oh, that would have been a five. Straight <laughs> up five. I mean, you know. Um, so there you go. There you have it, folks. That was Batteries Not Included. Next week, we're, we're, we're I think we're going to stay along the lines of robots, right? Robotics uh, or robot people, brainwashed people. I mean, I think the Manchurian Candidate is about making somebody brainwashed. So we're staying along those lines in a different way. We're taking a hard left. Next week is the Manchurian Candidate. Oh, no. How you doing? Oh, I have these dreams, sir. Dreams? Yes, sir. Uh, Kuwait. You and me, uh, Ingram and Baker and and, uh, Raymond Shaw. Okay. See, I remember it happened like you just said, and then...
1: well we had a pretty rough over there no. a long time ago memory shift
0: what, do, do, do you have dreams sir
1: everybody has dreams no not
0: these no I don't uh, write it all down you know like every night uh, right when I wake up uh, try to get it uh down it didn't always come together you know not everything that i can remember maybe should should go to the VA hospital
1: talk to one of the doctors i bet the doctors mad. okay let's go i've with, never seen this let's go with programmed behavior which oh see that
0: works clever huh you saw what i was doing there yeah, I, um i've never seen this film i know the story i know the idea behind it but i've actually never seen this film i have not either Oh, this should be fun then. This should be fun. We're watching uh, the Denzel Washington version of Manchurian Candidate. 2004. So there we go, folks. We'll s- so that was it. That's our, our episode. Batteries not included. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, make sure you head out to the website, BICBP-radio.com. Make sure to check out other podcasts and, and support content creators. In this time, of Rona, man, people are just trying to do some stuff to, to pass the time and give you stuff to do to pass the time. So check it out. Other than that, I'm done. Sean, what you got to tell the people?
1: Be smart. The end is in, hopefully in sight. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to uh, we have a second vaccine uh, with the Moderna vaccine uh, on top of the Pfizer vaccine. So there's going to be more to go around. Just wait till it's your turn. Don't be a dummy. Wear your mask still and just be safe. Think of yourself, but also think of how you're protecting other people when you're out there. So wear a mask. Exactly. Don't be a, uh, Oh, well, I have the right. Yeah. You have the right to stay home too. If you got, if you're not going to wear a mask. So, so don't think about just yourself. Think about other people while you're out and about too. So be safe. There you go. Wear a mask. Don't be dumb. Have logic. If you don't have any, again, borrow some from someone else.
0: And as always, it's time to unsilence your phones.